But uh, hey, we're, we're excited. We started a series last week. Uh, Pastor Brandon started a series uh, in Thessalonians. First Thessalonians, we're looking at specifically kind of the hope that we see no matter what the circumstances are in our lives, the hope that, that we can get from Christ. And specifically today, we're going to be looking at uh, what, what it looks like to, to live a life kind of worthy of God and kind of unpack that a little bit. And so we're going to, the, the, this morning's going to look a little bit like we're going to read a few verses and we're going to talk about them and I'm going to read them and we're going to talk about them and we'll kind of go back and forth like that. So if you've got your Bibles or your Bible app you want to open up to uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, we're going to be looking at uh, verses 1 through 14, and we're just going to kind of take a little kind of slow meander through those and see what they have, because there's, there's a lot of applicable verses to it. But I kind of want to start with this to kind of introduce the, the, the idea um, of, of what Paul's going to kind of unpack and, and hopefully what God has for us this morning. But, but it's this, is that um, I, I, I always want to know what does it mean to be like Jesus? Because if you've been around the church at all, uh, you know, church, you, you, you hear that phrase a lot. I want to be like Christ. I want to you know, be like Jesus. We're to be, you know, imitators of Jesus. We're supposed to, you know, that's, that's what, what our aim is. That's what our goal is. And so, I mean, when I was, you know, younger, the bracelets became popular. I think they, they kind of resurfaced the WWJD bracelets. You know, you'd have those. Like, what would Jesus do to remind us that we were supposed to be like Jesus? But we hear that talk a lot. Like, what, like what that we're supposed to be like Jesus. And I guess I, I kind of want to just dig down to what, what that really kind of looks like, because there's times when, when we see that there are things done in Jesus' name that don't, don't look like or feel like that that's what Jesus would have really done, and there's just some things around that, that, we, that, that I like to just kind of look straight back to the scripture and see what is that, and I, and I think that's what Paul is really encouraging the, the church at, at Thessalonica to really do, is to really kind of get back to, um, you know, looking and keep getting their eyes back on Jesus. So that's going to kind of be a theme that we're going to look at this morning. And I don't know if you're like me, you've kind of asked those kind of questions, but hopefully we can kind of get a good, um, good, good framework on that this morning. And so, um, you know, let's, let's, just, let, let's just dive right into verses 1 and 2 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Here we go, verse 1. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. So right here, Paul begins kind of uniquely, just like addressing this, this kind of the second chapter here of, 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 his, of his letter, uh, with kind of recognizing, hey, we, we, have, we had you know, come to you before, so Paul kind of, you know, gone on missionary journey, planted the seeds there a little bit before, um, but, but also he references that he was uh, this kind of, you know, um, interesting the way he describes it, he was uh, treated outrageously, outrageously by, uh, by the church, well, not by church, but by folks in Philippi before they got there, but even though that still happened, there still were results that he saw. And when Paul says results, he means he's spreading the gospel. So that means people were accepting the gospel and people were putting their faith in Jesus. That's what he means by, by results. He's not like closing deals and making sales. He's, he's, he's sharing the gospel and, and, and people are, are, are accepting Jesus. So that's what he means. And kind of one of the first things I want us to kind of take away from this is, is this, is that, that a higher calling, higher callings make it, make tough times bearable. Higher callings make tough times bearable. You see, Paul had this relentless nature about him. 
Now, part of it is just in his, in his you know, God wired him that way to kind of be very, um, uh, just kind of dogmatic a little bit, like a little bit, because we read about that before. But really, when, when he accepted Jesus and, and he really got a glimpse of who God is and who Jesus is and, and what, he, what he wants from Paul, he got this laser-like focus to where he says, I, I'm supposed to share the gospel and I'm supposed to go and no, no matter what the circumstances are. And so he goes. And so when he references, when he references that he was treated outrageously in Philippi, it's kind of an understatement a little bit. Now, that, that out, outrageous uh, <laughs> treatment that he references, this is a story, of, uh, it comes out of Acts 16, where you have uh, Paul and Silas go, go visit a town, and they're, they're in town sharing the gospel, and they run across these, these folks who have a, um, a gal who, as it says in Acts, is demon-possessed and would tell fortunes. And it says, I think, I think the verbiage is, is that Paul got so annoyed with them that he, he cast the demon out. And the people got so mad because this was their side hustle or maybe it was their main, main source of uh, money. But, but, you know, that was their... That was their cash cow. And when Paul cast the demon out, can't tell any fortunes anymore, they got so mad that they basically started just uh, hollering and yelling, getting Paul and Silas in front of crowds and saying that these guys are being blasphemers and they're, they're saying that there's you know, another king and they're you know, just kind of make up all this stuff. And so the, the, they get thrown in prison, they get flogged, which you know, flogged is, I mean, the Romans had this thing, they whipping them when they, with the... With the you know, the, the leather, they had the glass and the, the oh, just, just shredding his back. So, so when he says he got treated outrageously, basically he's preaching the gospel and just got tortured, thrown in jail. And so this is the story where then the, there, there's an earthquake and then the cell doors kind of open up and, and the, the jailer gets so worked up and so afraid thinking, oh great, prisoners are gone, my neck's on the line, I'm just going to go ahead and kill myself because that's what's going to happen anyway, and he's distraught, and Paul and Silas didn't go anywhere, they stayed there, and they actually preached to the, this, this jailer, he became uh, a Christ follower, and, and then when the, whoever the, the guy in charge was sitting here th- saying, okay, you guys didn't run away, clearly there's something different, you guys are, you're, you're fine, and we'll, we'll let you guys out, and so they got out of, of, of prison, um, and, and then they were, you know, when there then came to Thessalonica. And so when he talks about this, like this, this, you know, uh, outraged behavior, I mean, he was beat severely for preaching the gospel. Yet, yet he, he still with this laser like focus kept pursuing that call that he had because he knew that no, no, no matter what circumstances are out there, it is so important for him to share and to encourage and to get out there and visit and visit the churches that, that, that he risked the hurt and, and, and the pain that, that was possibly there facing him. And so when we see this, this, uh, this uh, he, he, he kind of goes on and continues in verses uh, three, uh, three and four here. Paul, Paul says in verse three, he says, you know, for, for the appeal we make, doesn't spring from error or, or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as though approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. 
And so, he, so he's, he's addressing some specific stuff right here. He's, he's talking about like, he, he's like, hey, we're not, we're not doing this and we're not visiting you because we're trying to get rich. He's not doing this because we're trying to, um, you know, trick you. This isn't like, you know, this isn't us being sneaky or anything. He's like, no, no, uh, we're actually, you know, have been proved like we're on a mission from God. God has sent me here to you. And he has this, this interesting phrase at the end of this, and then we'll kind of work our way backwards a little bit, but he says, you know, that... Um, uh, we didn't want to please people, but God who tests our hearts. And that's an interesting phrase. And, and in, the, in the, the Greek, it's related to another verb that's earlier in the sentence. And so really it should read, you know, that they're, they're approved by the test or they've been approved through the testing of. And it's this idea that, that you know, he has gone through the trials and gone through the hardships and that that. God used that time to really solidify and galvanize and strengthen his faith. We see this terminology at other places. We see it in Psalms. Psalm 7-9 says, you know, may you establish the righteous. You may test the minds and hearts, O righteous God. We also see this concept in James 1-2, that, you know, consider it pure joy when you face, you know, uh, trials of many kinds, because you know that, you know, the strengthening of them uh, develops perseverance, and so we see this idea over of facing hardships, facing these, these trials actually galvanizes your faith, and Paul's saying that when I went through this stuff, it actually, you know, the, the fact that I'm still... I made it and I went through it shows that I'm, I'm real about this because I, I, I promise you there, if I'm going through something, if, if I'm going to your house to sell you, you know, a vacuum and I get whipped and flogged for doing that, I'm going to stop because vacuums don't matter. <laughs> I mean, they're nice, right? But like, like they don't matter. So like if you're, if you're doing something that doesn't matter, you're getting like flogged and beat for it. You're going to stop. But if you're doing something that is, that is from God, that is so important, that is, it's worth risking your, your physical health for, it, you're going to keep going because it's that important. That's what Paul is basically saying. Like, he's saying here that it's that important to get the gospel and to share that, that through these trials it's shown the validity of what I'm teaching you and the authenticity of my calling. Let's keep going. Verse 5 says, you know that, that we never use flattery, nor did we put a mask to cover up the, the, the greed, to cover up greed. God is our witness. Because Paul's accused of a few things here that, 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 that he references. He talks about, he talks about uh, that he's accused of you know, being flattery and accused of uh, being greedy and accused of trying to get uh, praise. He mentions those very specific things. And so he's saying, hey, he's addressing the problem because people are trying to stir up trouble. Everywhere Paul went, they tended to like follow, people kind of followed him and stirred up trouble when he did that. So he, he specifically calls out these things that he knows he's aware of. These are critiques. And so he's like, yeah, I, I know people are saying this and this and this. You're talking about, you know, saying that he's being, you know, the greedy, that he's being, you know, trying to uh, just flatter people by using, you know, uh, um, you know, flattering terms, and he's looking for, he's looking for praise, but he, he says, no, no, we're not, this isn't what we're doing here. And he actually, he actually addresses that, like, specifically in this next section here, um, but what I want you to, to kind of preface it by is, is, is this thing I want you to get here, which is that, that the results of imitating Jesus always point back to God. Okay, the, the, the results of imitating Jesus always point back to God. See, Paul, and, and, and here, here's where we kind of get this. Verse six. 
We were not looking for praise from people, not from and not for, not for you or for anybody else, even though, you know, as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our, um, asserted our authority. So it wasn't looking for, the, for their approval. And in fact, it wasn't even, you know, pulling the, the, the trump card of being the apostle. But then in verse 7, it says, Instead, we were like young children among you, just as nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives. So we can, we, can, we can hide kind of who we really are in a lot of circumstances. We can hide kind of and be deceptive in a lot of circumstances. But as, but as Paul points out here, he says, like, not, not only did we, we love you enough to share the gospel, but we lived with you. In other words, you guys saw us live. You saw us on the day-to-day and so you know that what I'm telling you, I believe. And then, and, and then it's authentic. Because if they were, were trying to be tricky, if they were trying to be deceptive, if they were trying to do all this, that would have come out. That would have been exposed, that, that, that would have been something they see, and he would not have chosen to live with, 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 with uh, the church in Thessalonica because they would have seen it. But instead he cared so much that he settled down, he, he, he stayed with them, and really started, did life with them. Continuing on verse 9 here, says, Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order to be, or not to be a burden to, uh, to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we are among you who believed. And so right there, he's... he's, he's Reiterating the way we lived mattered. And you guys saw it. You know that these kind of like these, these things that, that are being accused of are not uh, real or not true or not are, are unfounded. And I think that like there, there, there's a lot, a lot of times we, um, we see people saying, be like, like me. You know, be like like just like, like like them, rather than pointing to Jesus. And and when we when we get you know kind of you know off course a little bit, it can be um, we 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 tend to not follow God, but we follow the man. And so Paul Paul is just saying, no, no, you 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 saw how we live for God. We live holy life. We're trying to live in a godly way. And he gets and he gets very intentional here. And I want to get this 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 point out there to you as well, which is that that imitating Jesus is. It's intentional and it's not accidental. So, so Paul was specifically intentionally living this holy, godly life so that they would see, be, be pointed towards God. And here we get to kind of the crux of the matter here. This is kind of the, 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 the real meat of this section we see, you know, uh, in 11 and 12 is this. And this is kind of where I think some of the biggest challenges for you and I lie. In verse 11, it says this, that for you know that we dealt with, uh, that we dealt with each other, sorry, with each of you uh, as a father with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Did you get that last part, which is, which is really kind of the crux of the matter? It's like, you know, like, like fathers who deals with their own children, encouraging and comforting and urging to live lives worthy of God. Being worthy of God 
Uh, it is interesting. We'll, we'll kind of unpack what, what, what that means and doesn't mean in, in, in a sec. But really, it, it, it talks about uh, being worthy of God means we imitate Jesus and nobody else. The, you know, the, the, the further off course we get from looking at the, at the original, looking at the, the, you know, the, the real deal, looking at Jesus, the further off from Jesus we get, the more, the, the, the more inaccurate our view of God is. And so Paul so often keeps saying time and time again, look at, look at Jesus. Or if, if you see me, at least, at least see me as I'm pursuing Jesus. So he's constantly deflecting back to Jesus. You know, this this is this time is the time of year where some of you guys have seen the um, the advertisements for uh, the Youth Mexico trip is coming up. You know, high schoolers every year um, go on it. And I was a youth pastor here for a number of years and actually did about fourteen of these trips. So I know um, uh, I know and love these trips. And one story just kind of popped to mind as I was kind of preparing this that was just kind of a, a story that I thought was just it was funny. Uh, it involved uh, one of the students named Ben was his name. Ben Bedline years ago, and I remember we were, the, the way it's set up is you'd have multiple houses that you're kind of working on, you're all in the same little neighborhood, and so as the, as the youth pastor, as the pastor, I'd kind of go around just making sure everybody's doing fine, and most of the time I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing building quality control, but rather making sure everybody's getting along and, you know, treating each other okay, um, and so we're, we're as, I'm, as I'm going around there, I'm at one site in particular, and I'm just kind of, you know, stopping and chatting with them. And, and their, Ben was, was a part of the cut team. And so, so the site foreman would, would yell out uh, a measurement. And then he'd pull his tape and he'd mark it and he'd cut it with his little handsaw then give it back to him. And that's kind of how they had their little machine going. But by just a couple times and why I kind of stayed there because I thought it was kind of funny is he just, the, the, he'd call it out, they'd pull the tape, mark it, and it was just about the half inch off, you know, like, like, you know, a quarter of an inch off. It's just always, always off. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, that's, you know, that's a, that's, here's how you do it properly. And so, you know, sometimes the students have never used a, a tape measure or a hammer or something like that. So you got to kind of come alongside. Like, no, I pull the tape, you know, do a little mark right there. And so went by and he pulled his tape and mark. Okay, great. There it is. Pulls tape, does the mark, cuts the saw, puts the board up wrong. And you know, we're kind of like, okay, that's interesting. You know, maybe you're, you know, and so we we're kind of talking to the Mark had the, uh, the foreman had the wherewithal to be like, okay, let me see your tape. So he lays out his tape and pulls it. And then he pulls his own tape measure and pulls it. And Ben's tape measure is wrong. It's off. Like you got one job to do when you're making tape measures. It's like, <laughs> don't you have like a template or something? So, you know, but, but, like, but his tape measure was off. And so then even Mark pulled another one just to make sure. And like, sure enough, like these two ones work and this one's off. And so we'd throw it away and get him a new one. And sure enough, pulled the tape marks it's, and it's spot on. And that always stood out to me because, because Ben was, was, was doing everything right. Like he just, this is how you do it. You have the pencil and you get, you know, you pull it, you mark it. Everything's right. But the problem was his, what he was using to measure success was wrong. And what he was looking at as like, this is what, you know, 10 feet, three inches is. He's like, this, this was wrong. It wasn't that. And I, every time, like, I can, we kind of think about imitating Christ, like, that story comes to mind because when you're, if you're not looking at Christ, if you're not looking at the right thing, you might think that you're, that you're dialed in, that you're really, you know, doing the exact thing, but you're not looking at the right measurement. We're not looking at Jesus. So when we take our eyes off of Jesus and we're not looking to him for, for, to, to live a holy life, we're not, we're not 
Our measurements are off. We're off. It's not correct. And so Paul, Paul when he's in, in, encouraging him, is saying, like, no, no, you, you need to keep, live a life worthy of, of, of God means you're focusing on the right things. And he also, I don't know if you caught this too, but there's two, there's a mother, father uh, references in this passage. And the first is we go back a few, a few um, verses in verse seven where he talks about you're like a, a, a mother, a nursing mother being nurturing and, and, and even comforting. He, so he draws the illusion of how Paul's interacting with them in like a, a nurturing and, and comforting way and paints that picture of, of you know, offering that, you know, what, uh, you know, mothers who are nursing, they offer that, uh, life-sustaining milk. It's, or, it's organic. It's the most like, you know, life-giving thing. It's just this, this picture of, of the ultimate nurturing. A baby who would die on its own has, has its mother's milk uh, and, and is able to, to grow off of that. And then he goes again and, and goes on the other side and says, oh, now, like a father, also, I was interacting with you too. And, the, and he uses some different verbiage when he talks about the father. Some similar, but a little bit different. He talks about, as a father, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God. Now, there's not a lot of verses in Scripture that specifically say fathers, you know, uh, um, parent this exact way. There's, there, there's some, but, but there's not a lot. So when he, when he uses this, this, this language, I really do think that, that not only it's a universal principle, but specifically fathers should be doing this. I don't want to get too far off on a tangent, but, how, but, I, but I can't pass by this without saying it, is that, that dads, we have to be giving our kids courage. Encourage them, build them up. We need to, we need to be, be setting the spiritual tone in our families that teaches our kids what the, the right and the wrong, what the scripture says, and giving them that courage because they will one day be on their own and they're going to choose whether to follow Christ or not, and a lot of that is, is based on the example that, that, that we set. But not just courage, he also talks about comforting, not just a, a mother's role, but, but a, a father's role to, to comfort. And then the, the, the other is to urge to live lives worthy of the gospel. That, that, that word urging is to implore, to, to, uh, to basically get, like to really push someone towards this holy living as, as one of our roles as a father is to implore our kids to urge them to holy and right living. And I'm just gonna say it right now that that, that, that will happen, that can happen with your words we can, as dad, I can say, you kids should do this, you kids should do that, you should act this way or not, or, and, and I can also live that out. Because our, our, our kids, they, they, they catch much more than, than, we, than we teach. So I can, I can give these life lessons all I want, but my kids are, are gonna make conclusions, draw conclusions based on what I do. And I just want to, as a, as a side note, like for that, I'm like, dads, I just want to encourage you guys that that's a part of our role. So live it out at home. Live it out first. And I, I really do think, though, this is universal in the sense of, I think this applies to everyone. Because there are verses that, 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 that really come alongside this concept and say, you know, that, that, that everyone is to encourage comfort and urging. But particularly, that is a fatherly role. So, so verse 12, it, which is kind of the, the, the crux of it, t- says that, that we are to live lives worthy 
of God. Now, here, here's, here's the, that phrase, to live life worthy. Paul uses that a number of times. And, and so here, here's a couple other ones. In Colossians, Colossians 1.10, Paul, Paul uses it. He says, so this is Colossians uh, uh, 1.10, says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. He also says it in Philippians 1.27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. He also uses it in Ephesians. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So this was a big deal to Paul. This was a thing to Paul. Paul was big on, like, we need to be, if we're a Christian, if we call in the name of Christ, there's a standard at which we should aim for, that we should shoot for. We should try to be as Christ-like as we possibly can. So when he's saying live, live, live life worthy, what he's not saying is that somehow this helps you earn your salvation you know, if, you, if, if you live this way. In fact, we know in Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, Paul even says, it's, you know, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. It is, it is not by work so that no one can boast. So, so he's not saying that this is, you know, you can earn your salvation. He's not saying that. And he's also not even saying that you somehow deserve this grace if you, if you, uh, you know, live the certain ways. He's not saying that. What he is saying is that, is that when you are a Christian and you, and you call your, you are a Christ follower, you should strive to live like Christ. You should, you should live differently than the world lives. There is, there is a higher standard that we should live in a way that, that lives up to them. Now, we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to bat a thousand. We're not going to be, you know, per, but, but also we should, we should not be satisfied with being okay. We shouldn't be satisfied with living mediocre lives. We should, we should be striving to live as much like Christ as we possibly can. So, so living in a worthy manner means, specifically in this, in this passage we looked at, means that we're offering you know, that, that, the comfort, the praying for each other, the, the encouraging, the urging and imploring people for, for a higher living. We're interacting with each other in a way that says, hey, we need to be like Christ. Together as, as a church body, we can pursue this together. And so he kind of wraps up 13 and 14 says, Paul says this, that we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as, as human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe for you brothers and sisters, became imitators of God and imitators of God's church in Judea, which are, which are in Christ Jesus. So even there, the crux of this and, and the heart of this is saying that, that you became imitators of Christ by living out the gospel, by embracing the, the, the gospel, by, by encouraging one another, by, implore, you know, by, by living in a life worthy of it, that you are, you are becoming those imitators. And the final thing I want us to get here is, is this, that, that spreading the gospel is worth the sacrifice. If we learn anything from Paul's missionary journeys, it's that, that he truly believed what he's preaching, and, and he relentlessly pursued that. The spreading the gospel was worth it. In his case, he, he, um, he experienced physical pain. 
experience ridicule, experience all that. You know, I don't know if you and I will, will, will ever, you know, be there, but, but I know for me, I, I'm embarrassed sometimes. I just don't, I don't, I don't share because I'm afraid that they'll, they'll look differently at me. So I'm like, ah, I better not share with them. You know, we have these weird, like, convince ourselves and are like, oh, I'm not going to go share that because they'll, they'll, they don't want to hear it or they don't want this. I'm like, listen, like, spreading the gospel is worth a sacrifice, whatever, whatever, that, whatever that is. And so, so for us today, what, what, what I want us to kind of leave this morning with, and I hope that the Lord is kind of impressing on our hearts, is that, that Jesus is our, is our uh, we should imitate Christ. I'll say it that way. That we should be imitators of Christ. And, and when, we, when we live like Christ and we, we do live how he wants us to be, that we can live in a worthy manner to be called a Christian. The worship team's gonna, 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 gonna come out and we're gonna play one final uh, worship song. And I just, if, if, when you leave from here, know that, that it's Jesus that we're focusing on. It's Jesus that, that, is, that is our, our um, measuring stick. It's Jesus that is, should be our focus. And so that's why I love that we were able to do communion this morning to kind of get our hearts in that way. I, I love that we were able to sing these songs of worship about Jesus and so when we go from here, we, I, want, I want Jesus on our minds and in our hearts so that as we go, we can live in a way that is worthy of the calling of, of, of Christians. So would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we, um, we come before you just humbled at the call, Lord, that you, would, that you would love us so much that you sent your son and that you would call us to a higher living and you'd want us to somehow, some way represent you. And God, I, I pray that as Paul implores the church at Thessalonica, Lord, I, I, for, for me and for um, everyone li- listening here this morning, Lord, I pray that we would be able to have that same encouragement, that we would be able to live in a way that is worthy of you, Lord. We're not perfect. But God, we just want to turn our hearts towards you. So Lord, as we go, I pray you keep that in our hearts. And this, is, this final worship song, Lord, may this just be a, 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 our, our prayer to you. And we just thank you and love you. And we just pray that you will uh, just continue to guide us as we go from here, Lord. When we give this last song to you, may it be our prayer and pleasing to you, Lord. We ask this in your name. And amen. Amen.